everyone just say amen today? Amen. You can have a seat. And I want you to know that's our heart. That's our church family's heart. On behalf of our elders, on behalf of our church staff team, on just behalf of our church family, our heart for you this summer is that you would find enough in just the person of Jesus. Now, some of you maybe don't even have a relationship with Jesus. And so you don't even understand what that means. So I can tell you right now, we are praying for you. We are praying that you enter into a relationship with Jesus. And that is not just something rote. It's not just some religion to you, but it's about this relationship. And for those of you who have a relationship, we are praying that this summer, that it will not be like any other summer. That, that this summer of 2023, that you're not just hitting pause in your spiritual life. But what you are doing is you're coming out swinging. You are coming out looking for how God is going to be at work in your life this summer. Because He wants to work in your life. I'm telling you, church, you need to hear me that God wants to work in your life this summer. So, are you ready to receive it? This morning, when I was able to gather with those students and they were headed off. Man, I was, I was so excited. They are modeling to us. Listen, they are modeling to us what our lives should look like. They are giving up a week of their life to go and serve a community. To go and, he, and, and bring Jesus in the form of serving. And we can do that right here this summer, church. And in October, we have an adult trip planned. And I hope that you're going to be a part of it. They are leading the way. The students are leading the way. Come on, adults. Let's plan. Let's, you start looking at your calendar. Get on board of how God wants to use you. This could be your summer where everything is changed. Where your life is changed. Where there's transformation. Where you're actually seeing spiritual growth. Because you are in God's Word. And He is bringing about the change. And that's our prayer. And that has nothing to do with the teaching this morning. Um, but what does have to do with the teaching this morning is this series that we are in called Drama King. Let me say this first. Do you have this kind of person in your life? Do you? Uh, not this person. I'm going to ask you about three other people first. Do you, do you have the, the kind of person in your life that you do want around you like all the time? They are the type of person that they can create fun out of nothing. Like, you want that person at your 4th of July celebration, don't you? You want them having the cookouts with you because you just know if you show up, fun's going to show up because they can create fun out of nothing. There's the other type of people, though. I'm not this type of person. Uh, there's some people that can create Beautiful masterpieces of art out of nothing. Are you one of those kind of people? Not this guy. But you know who is Dean Scalanti? Look at that chalkboard, right? It's still, we just left it up there because it's a masterpiece, right? I mean, out of sidewalk chalk, he creates this um, image of Doubting Thomas. Some people can take nothing and turn it into something. 
And then there's, uh, there are some of you are in this room. Some of you are in South County and some of you are watching online who you are an entrepreneur. You create opportunities. Some of us are served by people who have created an opportunity out of nothing and we work for those people. So they help us, right? They help you pay the bills. They help you survive. They help our economy. We are so thankful for entrepreneurs. And maybe you're one of them. But maybe you have crossed paths with this guy, right? Maybe, maybe you have crossed paths with that person that can create drama out of nothing, right? I mean, you know that person, you've worked with them or you uh, maybe live in the neighborhood with them. Have you had that neighbor that has created, you know, uh, this big old deal about nothing? I wonder if you are that person. Are you that? Yeah, you, uh, we got a lot of heads shaking. No, but I wonder what your spouse would say. Maybe you don't work with them. You live with them, right? Who knows? But here's in my research. Here's um, what I found out about drama. Here are seven characteristics about people who create drama. Number one, they complain a lot. That's number one. Um, number two, they love to gossip. Number three. They overreact to everything. Everything is just, it's like this big old reaction about everything. Number four, you pick random fights with people because you're bored. Right? You saw, if you've been in customer service line, you saw them there, haven't you? They were that person in front of you. You're like, oh my God, I got to go there after that, right? I've been there, you, so have you. But um, there is that person that just has a strong reaction. A person that has drama in their life, they have strong reactions to people and they don't keep it to themselves. It comes out. And then people who create drama, they crave attention. And this last one, I thought, oh my gosh. This last one is, no matter what happens to you, it's always worse than everyone else's problem, right? That's a person who creates drama. If, that, if you have some of those characteristics, maybe you are that person. And then some of the science behind this. I, this blew me away about the science behind this. Drama to some people is interesting. It can give them the sense of feeling that are, give them the sense and feeling of being important, of being busy, of actively involved in something. It may cause, it may also cause some people to believe that it helps them emotionally. Now, it's important to point out it makes them feel like this helps them emotionally to be involved in drama. But it actually doesn't help. And we're going to see that from the scriptures in, the, in a second. But here's, here's what blew me away. Drama can become addictive. Did you know that? Did you know that the research says that drama can make your brain um, secrete those chemicals, those endorphins that fire off inside of you? Drama can do that. And you know, that is a, 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 a pain suppressant. It's also a pleasure-seeking thing, that chemical that gets released in our brains. And you know what that means? That means you get sucked into this. In fact, the science says that people literally become addictive to drama just like someone becomes addictive to alcohol or drugs. Wow. So, over this summer... 
we are going to look at this idea of drama. No, not queen, but drama king. Ladies, I know. So I, I, I brought this up at my supper table with all the kids. You know, it's Friday night pizza, so everybody's over. And, the, the, you know, there's significant others. And we're talking about, I'm asking them about drama. And immediately, uh, someone's like, yeah, drama queen. I know all about, and you know, and then my girls are like, oh, no, you didn't. Right? You guys are just as bad. And then all on was the war right there at my dinner table. Right? And here, and but you know... So many times, women, you get thrown under the bus. But do you know in the scripture, it's the guys, it's the kings that we're going to look at. And so we're going to go to the Old Testament and we're going to look at the kings that brought drama into their own lives and into the life of the people that they were leading. The big idea for today is this. What I, I want us to understand that drama actually creates division. Drama creates division between you and God. Drama, what we're going to see right from the scripture, it creates division between you and God. It creates division between you and the people that you love. And drama will always leave you less fulfilled than you think. Because you get that initial hit and that, you know, those chemicals being released in your brain and you're like, you're all excited. But it's going to leave you a whole lot less fulfilled. And we're going to see this right from the scripture. So take your Bible. We're going to start in 1 Samuel chapter 8. And in 1 Samuel chapter 8, this is the very beginning the start of the reign of the king. So the Jewish people had been led by Moses and Aaron. They had been led by Joshua. And then they went through a season of time being led by judges. And now they're in the promised land and they're looking around at all the other nations and they're like, we want a king. Give us a king. So they were going to who was leading them at that time. That was the prophet Samuel. Remember uh, back in May, we talked about Samuel as a boy being called by God, and he heard and he responded with penne, right? I hope you still have your piece of pottery with your Hebrew word on there, right? That's reminding you to be listening and looking and ready to obey. Well, Samuel does. Samuel's now, he's older. This is at the tail end of his life. The people come to him and say, give us a king. We want a king. And his heart is broken. And so, in 1 Samuel chapter 8, and we're going to pick up the story in verse uh, number 6. Samuel was displeased with their request, and he went to the Lord for guidance. Do everything they say to you, the Lord replied, for, if they, uh, for they are rejecting me, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed the other gods. And now they are giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. And then Samuel would go on and would describe to the people of Israel, if you, if you put a king to lead you, here's what's going to happen. He's going to take your sons. 
He's going to put them in their army. He's going to go back and take more of your sons and He's going to take your daughters and He's going to put them in service and work for Him. He, he, the king, if you put a king in place to rule over you, He'll have the right to show up and say, give me some of your livestock, give me some of your cash, give me, you know, He could ask whatever He wanted and guess what? You'd have to do it. Are you sure you want a king? Right now, it was God they had leading them. And Samuel the prophet was God's voice to them. God's heart is broken. And as God looks over and takes a big look at history for the people of Israel, he's reminding Samuel, hey, they're rejecting me, not you. Well, in verse number 19 of the same chapter, it says, but the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. And here was their reply. Here was the people of Israel's response. Even so, even so they're going to take our kids. Even so they're going to take my cash. Even so they're going to take my livestock. Even so they're going to take my harvest. Even so we still want a king. We want to be like the nations around us. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. They have their eyes on the wrong king. Whenever we want our own way and not God's way, it creates division. Whenever, and just think about this. Think about how God answered their prayer. He answered their request and He gave them a king. This brought to my mind as I was thinking about that. Rick, you better be careful what you pray for. Because you just may get it. And it may not be what's best. And I loved what Tyler was just saying about the model prayer. And the importance of praying, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. My mind immediately went there when I'm thinking about when I am asking God, when I am begging God for something... God may just answer my prayer. He may have grace. He may extend mercy. Even though He knows it's not what I really need. That's why it's so important. But for me to always to submit and be like, but God, not what I want. Not what looks obvious to me as the right answer. God, Your will be done. Something that we all can learn. But as we look at this question... Or, or, or this statement, here's the question that I have for us today, is what areas of your life is drama creating division? And because sometimes people have a hard time identifying drama, maybe the first question that you need to ask is, how do I even identify drama around me? Well, the first is to, you need to have trusted people that you can ask. You need to ask you know, some people that you really do trust. Hey, Am I that person? And then listen to their feedback. Trust what they are saying. Ask them, do I create drama where I go? Do you feel like I create drama? Again, I threw it out at my dinner table on Friday night and had some interesting responses. I encourage you to do the same. Um, Here's something else. How do I identify drama around me? If you're always in a crisis. If you are always finding yourself in a crisis, well, then maybe it's because you have created the crisis because you are addicted to drama. 
If you're always moving from one crisis to the other and your thing is always worse than somebody else, well, maybe that is a sign right there. That's how you can identify that there's drama. Or are you inserting yourself into other people's lives under the guise? Hey, do you need some help? Tell me what's going on. And after they tell you what's going on, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to pray for you. You hang up, you're right, and you're like texting in this, you won't believe what's going on over there. You know? If that's you, if this is you, then maybe you've got drama in your life. So, you need to come back and ask this question. In what areas of my life is there drama that's creating division? This morning, we're going to look at the very first king. We're going to look at Saul. Uh, hey, kids, um, you should have uh, um, got a coloring page like this. Um, it has King Saul. Um, he's being anointed king uh, by Samuel there. It's a coloring page for you guys. And then all of our kids and even our big kids, you got a crown. Did you get the crown when you came in? Um, there's a, if you want one, take one. I don't care how old you are. But uh, kids, um, we especially wanted you to have one of these. And South County, I'm so sorry. I totally forgot to get these down to you. Um, we'll get these down there uh, for you next week. So next week, you're going to have two things to that you're going to be able uh, to give out there in South County. But um, today, we're going to look at King Saul. And in 1 Samuel chapter 9 and 10, we're just going to go do an overview right here. And in these two chapters, basically, it's just Saul being anointed. He starts out well. He starts out with humility. Uh, King Saul, he didn't even, he's like, who am I? Who am I to be anointed king? Samuel came to him and said, hey, God wants you to be the king. He is hiding when it came time for his anointing in a public square. He's hiding behind the donkeys. He's hiding behind like the luggage. He's, he doesn't want to be. And it was hard for him because he was taller than most guys. That's how he starts out. There's a humility. There's a sense of who? God, me? But then... Things quickly turn because he starts uh, getting some success. And as he gets some success as a leader, as he leads the people of Israel into some success in some battles, he finds, him play, he finds himself in, in uh, 1 Samuel 13. Saul creates drama when he is told to wait for Samuel, but instead takes on Samuel's role. See, somebody that creates drama, you're always trying to take somebody else's role. Here, uh, Samuel is, is told to wait in the city, stay there for seven days when, um, when Saul is told that, when, and then Samuel will show up. Saul got impatient. That's important to remember because a lot of times drama is caused because of impatience. Saul gets impatient. And, at, and in his impatience, he takes on the role of of prophet priest and he goes to offer a sacrifice before God Samuel comes back and is just like Saul what have you done and his, his heart is broken and saying what you have done is just wrong you can't do that and then in 1 Samuel 15 Saul again after a period of time more successes and more um, of, of Saul thinking that this is now about him. Saul has the eye of an earthly king, not a spiritual leader. And guess what ensues is more drama. 
Saul is told to entirely wipe out this city because they had been a long enemy of the people of Israel. He was told to wipe them out, not to leave anything alive behind. And don't take any of the plunder. Because don't forget in that period of history, it was about go and take the spoils of war, if you will. And here, at this, at, at this, um, Saul all of a sudden gets the vision of an earthly king. Not a spiritual leader for God's people. And he's thinking, oh my gosh, look at... he One, he doesn't wipe out everybody. Two, he takes some stuff for himself and for his men... And then when confronted by Samuel, he uses the excuse, oh, I was going to offer it as sacrifice back to God. Now, that's a big deal. In their, in their period of history, offering sacrifice back to God was a big deal. And, Sam, and Saul tries to use that as an excuse of why he has kept some of it. it was for that reason. Samuel is again devastated that this has happened. And, and God comes to Samuel and has this conversation in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse number 10. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me, and he has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord, all night. Like the, the sin of the king, the sin of the people, this was weighing on Samuel. And now he's just calling out to God like, what do we do? He has this all night prayer meeting. After this all night prayer meeting, he comes, has this conversation with Saul. And this was the response that Samuel had for Saul. What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Because don't forget what Saul did. Saul was using the excuse that he, was, he didn't wipe out all the livestock because he was going to save it for an, an, a sacrifice, a burnt offering. And so Samuel poses the question to Saul... Because of this excuse that he tried to use. Asking him what's more pleasing to God. Is it that you go to church every Sunday? Is it that you give an offering? Is it that you show up at small group? Or is it your obedience to the way that he has called you to live? And as Saul, I, we don't know how, I wish I could have been there, I really do, because I would have loved to see the look on Saul's face, or I would have loved to hear, hear the excuse. But here's what we do know. Samuel immediately says this. Listen, and look at that explanation point. This is with some force. Listen, Saul. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Obedience is better than just showing up on Sunday morning. Obedience is better than just going to a small group. Submission is better than you just dropping an offering in the box or giving online or however you give. 
And he doesn't stop there. But I wonder the practical application for us, the practical application for those online, those in South County, the practical application is what areas of your life do you know that you're living in disobedience to the call of God on your life? Jesus lived his life in a certain way and he called us to follow him. That's why in our mission we say, follow Jesus. And some of you know that you are, you're just like Saul. You are directly disobeying the call of Jesus on your life. And he said, obedience is better than showing up at church on Sunday. He said that surrender or submission is better than just going through the motions and dropping, you know, giving an offering to God. Obedience is better. He didn't stop there. He said, Saul, your rebellion, your disobedience is as sinful as witchcraft. These are heavy words, church. But for every Christ follower, if you are a guest this morning, I hope that you will hear this, that you are loved by God, that God loves you and he's calling you into a relationship with him. And when he calls you into a relationship with him, the expectation is is that you're going to live like Jesus lived. And to those of you who are in the room, those of you who are in South County, the, the expectation is that we would obey. The expectation is that we would surrender to whatever God is calling us, how uh, He is calling us to live our life, the call that, that Jesus calls us to live, that He makes so clear. That's why we tell you guys all the time that you've got to read the Scriptures, and especially you need to study the life of Jesus and see how Jesus lived His life. Why? Because He modeled how we are to live our life. And when we choose not to live like Jesus lived, Samuel would look at us and say, hey, that's called rebellion. And he equates that with witchcraft. He equates our, uh, not our willingness not to surrender. He calls it stubbornness. He says stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. Now, I know that none of you have an idol in your home that you bow down before, but we have idols in our life that we bow down before we bow down to Jesus too. And what he is saying is that we've got to get this right. He's calling us to a time of obedience. This morning when I was just praying through this message, I just felt like God said, give the, time, give the church time to confess. And that's what we're going to do right now. I'm just going to ask you to silently, before God, between you, I don't know what he's calling you to, but I do feel like God wants you to confess. So whoever you are, ever how many of, their, of us there are, we're going to pause. We're going to take a time of confession right now here before God. In South County, before God, we're going to take a time and just pause and confess. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head. As you bow your head, I'm going 
going to remind you of what 1 John 1, 9 tells us. That if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus, move among your church. This is your church. Move among our church family. Bring to the forefront whatever it is that we need to confess. Whatever it is that we need to surrender. Whatever that call is on our life, Jesus, we don't want to be disobedient. We don't want to be found rebellious. We don't want you to look down and say, you're stubborn. It's like worshiping idols. Jesus, we don't want to be found there. Search us and know us. Just in the silence of the the room right now, will you ask God to search you? Will you confess? Thank you for the promise that you forgive. Thank you for the promise that we can actually be holy and blameless and without a single spot if we would just confess. So thank you for every person that you were calling to bring to confession right now. And thank you for that step of obedience that they took. And for those um, who just weren't willing to do that yet, Holy Spirit, continue to bring conviction to them. Holy Spirit, continue to work in their heart and bring them to a place where they would surrender so that this summer would be a summer like never before. So that you would do your transformative work in their life. But them not willing to yield to your call, it's hindering that. It's stopping that. Jesus, please, work. Work in my life. Forgive me. Cleanse me and wash me clean. And wash our church clean, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First Samuel 16. We see that the drama in Saul's life has created even more division from God. Something that just blows our mind. I mean, even theologians, this is hard for everyone to understand. But here's what happened. Now the Spirit of the Lord has left Saul. Because he has gotten to such a place where he's created all this drama because now all of a sudden it's about him. So now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul. Let me say this. In our stage of history, we're we're called, um, if you're new to the Bible, we're called New Testament Christians. 
And um, part of what that means is that we have the Holy Spirit who comes and lives inside of us. In the Old Testament, they didn't have that privilege. The Holy Spirit couldn't come and live inside of an Old Testament saint. Why? Because Jesus hadn't died on the cross and hadn't uh, resurrected yet. That's why our sins hadn't been totally forgiven. Remember, that's why they had the sacrifice. Once a year, had to do a sacrifice uh, for their sins. Oh, I don't have time to get into all the theology behind that. But trust me when I say the Spirit... Spirit of the Lord now in, new, in our st- era of history, He comes to live inside of us, and He creates us as His holy temple. This is you are now a dwelling place for the place of God, and He lives inside of you through the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's living inside of you. Well, now the, in the Old Testament, the Spirit would come upon them, but not live inside of them, and He is left. As New Testament Christians, the Holy Spirit does not leave us. The power may leave us, but the Holy Spirit, you are sealed until the day of redemption. But here, the Holy Spirit had left him, and the Spirit sent, uh, the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. So now there's all this anxiety upon him. It's created more division from him and God. And now he's looking for some earthly way to soothe and calm his spirit. And guess what? That's what music can do. Music has power. It has the power to calm you down. And so they go out. They find a musician. And guess who they find? David. David is an amazing musician. Not only is he an amazing shepherd, um, but he's an amazing musician. And so as they find uh, David to do that, he, uh, Saul invites David into his... Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Saul invites David into his house. He becomes a part of his household. David uh, and... Uh, Verse number 21, so David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much. Do you see that? Um, Saul loved David very much. Notice the relationship that is, be, that is happening there. David becomes his armor bearer. <clears throat> and whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Saul would feel better and then the tormenting spirit would go away. Now, um, David continues to have success, not just in the house, but he continues to have success as a warrior. And in chapter 17, he goes, he takes Goliath's life. He goes and he, he leads these other campaigns against the Philistines. And now David is starting to make a name for himself. But watch what happens when you're a person filled with drama. In chapter 18, <clears throat> the drama in Saul's life has created division in his relationships. Remember, we just were told that Saul loved David. Now look where this drama happens. It says that this was their song. As they're talking about uh, the, the people are singing songs about David, this was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. Why? Because a person of drama is all about me. Don't take the spotlight off of me. Um, what's this, he said? They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands? Next, they're going to make him their king. And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. See what drama does? It totally wrecks your perspective of other people. There was no one more loyal than David. And David proved that over his lifetime. Saul and David could have been such an amazing team. But drama created division. 
And it wouldn't be too much longer that uh, this would be Saul's announcement in chapter 19. Saul now urged his servants and his son, Jonathan, who, by the way, became best friends with uh, David. He urged them to assassinate David. What happened to Saul loved David? Drama. Drama creates division. It creates division with people that we love. This is how bad trauma is. And then here's what happened. But one day, when Saul was sitting at home with a spear in hand, that tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly came upon him again. And as David played the harp to calm him down like it had done so many other times, it's like Saul lost control of himself. Saul hurled his spear at David. David dodged out of the way leaving the spear stuck in the wall. David fled and escaped into the night. And that was just the start of things even going worse. And it would continue like that. You see, that's what drama does. Drama sucks the life out of you to where you feel like you don't even have control anymore. And if that is the case in you, I want us to come back to the idea of the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit does inside of us in Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5 it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Notice it says the Holy Spirit produces this, not you. This isn't about you trying harder. This is about you becoming more like Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to make this happen inside of you. Love. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He creates love inside of you. He creates joy, peace. He creates patience. Remember, we saw what drama did in other people's life, in Saul's life. He wasn't patient. He didn't want to wait. But if you're powered by the Holy Spirit, you're going to have a patience, a kindness, a goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And what? Say it with me. The highlighted word. Say it with me. South County, say it with me. Self-control. The Holy Spirit will give you self-control. You do not have to respond to every situation like it's a crisis. You do not have to respond to every person like they're your enemy. You can actually have self-control if you would allow the Spirit of God to work in your life in that way. Saul's life. Drama brought Saul's life to a, an ugly end. In fact, when I was there in Israel, uh, you, I don't know how well you can see it, but inside that circle, uh, in the background, you can see Mount Geboa. That's where Saul and his sons lost their life by the Philistines. And then the Philistines would drag them and hang their dead corpses upon the city gates. If you look to the left, on the left of that picture, they dragged them across that valley and drug them and hung them on the city gates of that city over there on the right. That's how their life ended. Why? Because drama creates division. Drama creates division between you and God. Drama creates division between the people that you love. And drama will always leave you less fulfilled than you had ever thought. It always does this to you. So here's some next steps for us. Some next steps. Um, take that connection card out. There's a, there's a connection card in the chair in front of you. Will you pull that out? Of those of you who are watching um, online, there's a link for a connection card. And those in South County, hopefully you received a 
connection card as you walked in. But here's what it says. It says, pray that I would be able to identify the drama in my life and respond to it in a godly way instead of being sucked in by it. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for you by name. The other next step says, drama is creating division between me, God, and others. Pray for wisdom and courage for me to let go of the drama in my life. It's like you're addicted to it. And if you are, man, you need the power of God in your life in order to break the addiction. Let us pray for you. Our team's going to gather this week and we will pray over you that you would be set free from that. The last next step says, I feel like I have no control over how I respond to drama. Pray the Holy Spirit will produce self-control in me as I contend with the drama around me. We want to pray for you in these ways. Just let us know. On that connection card, you circle step one or two or three. Drop it into the offering boxes. Give it to a prayer minister. Um, if you're in South County, uh, give it to Scott. Um, he, the, he, will, he will make sure that our office gets that. If you're online, it will automatically come. Church, it really is our prayer that God is going to do something in our lives over this summer. We're not, we're not putting it on pause. And we're not just sitting back and kicking back and relaxing. We're anticipating God is going to do something in your life and He's going to do something in my life. And let's see what He's going to do as we deal with things like drama. Let's stand and let's respond with this worship song.